Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you. And there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey friends, open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter three. If you're not in a place where you have access to a traditional Bible, or maybe you're just not a traditional Bible person, you can open up the YouVersion app, or it's also called the Bible app, and all the notes and scriptures, those have already been uploaded. Wherever it is that you're watching us from, I love you, and I'm so glad that you're part of our family. Change is hard, isn't it? It's painful, but it's inevitable. Change is one of the few constants in our lives. We're always changing, whether that's for the better or for the worse. Changing for the worse, that's easy, it's natural, but changing for the better, now that's hard. It's totally unnatural. Whether it's physical, emotional, or spiritual, changing for the better takes sacrifice. If you wanna change for the better physically, you have to adjust what goes into your body. You have to change what you eat, what you drink. You, you have to get rest, you have to work out. If you wanna change for the better emotionally, you have to adjust what goes into your mind. You have to separate from certain atmospheres and surroundings, people and relationships. You have to avoid certain conversations. You have to confront shortcomings and do the really hard work that's required to receive the healing that you need. You have to have conversations and say a lot of I'm sorry's. If you wanna change for the better spiritually, you obviously have to adjust what goes into your spirit. You have to adjust what you watch, what you listen to, what you read. You have to adjust the websites or the social media you allow yourself to go on. You have to look into the depths of your soul and surrender a lot of things to God. You have to admit you can't do this thing on your own. You have to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord so he can lift you up. Change is hard. Being like Jesus is hard. It totally flies in the face of the conventional. It takes dying to ourselves every single day. To become like Jesus, to become less like us and more like him, we have to immerse ourselves in him. I wanna talk about that today in part three of this series we're in called Becoming Jesus People. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're grateful to you. Thank you for change as difficult as it is, as unnatural as it is. Thank you that we are always changing, always have the opportunity to improve. And so today, I pray for myself. I pray for my friends on the other side of this screen, wherever they are in the world, I pray that change would come. But more than that, I pray that that change will be for the better. God, allow us to surround ourselves with you, to immerse ourselves with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've spent the past 25 years trying to become less like me and more like Jesus. And sadly, I've failed far more often than I've succeeded. 
I've fallen over and over and over again. I mean, even as a pastor, AKA a professional Christian, a guy who gets paid to pray and read the Bible, I've missed the mark more times than I've often even wanted to admit. I've given in to my physical, emotional, and spiritual weaknesses too often, and not in like some sinful or scandalous way, but like I've gotten frustrated too much. I've been too impatient. I've thought or acted critically way more often than I wanted to. And every time I did one of those things, I lived under this massive sense of condemnation, which was confusing because the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And when I caved and felt covered in condemnation, I would grapple with these feelings of guilt and shame. And one day in the middle of a cesspool of condemnation, I finally asked God, why? And he said, because you're not fully covered by me. You're on the fringe. You're on the periphery. If you wanna stop living from condemnation to condemnation, you have got to be immersed in me. And in that conversation, it hit me. Jesus was a part of my life and sometimes he was a really big part. But he wasn't my everything. I wasn't immersed in him. Can you relate to that? Have you ever been in that place? So in response to that conversation, I've been meditating on two portions of scripture. And interestingly, they both have to do with baptism. The first is in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3, and the other is in the book of Acts chapter 2. In Matthew 3, Jesus, he's baptized in water, and in Acts chapter 2, his followers, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And both of these baptisms happen by immersion. Watch this. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John, he tried to deter him. He said, I need to be baptized by you, but you come to me? <laughs> Jesus replied, let it be so. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So, so John, he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I love that as soon as he was baptized, as soon as he allowed himself to be immersed, the heavens, they opened up to him. Hmm, it's interesting. Now watch this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues like fire, they appeared to them and they rested on each and every one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, uh, there's been whole denominations built on this book of Acts passage, but there's something really interesting about this story. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the great apostle Paul, he tells us how over a course of 40 days, Jesus appeared to 500 people. And he gave those 500 people a message to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the coming Holy Spirit. But on the day of Pentecost, which is only 50 days after the Last Supper, the move of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised, it explodes in the upper room, which incidentally is the same upper room that Jesus held the Last Supper in. And of the 500 people that Jesus called to be there, only 120 actually were present. 
380 people, or two-thirds of the people that Jesus called were preoccupied. They had something that they had deemed more important to do than immerse themselves in expectation while they waited on Jesus' promise. But as soon as the 120 people who did show up were all in one place, as soon as they were locked in, as soon as they were focused on worshiping and seeking God, as soon as they were immersed, the heavens opened up and the promised Holy Spirit, it fell on them. And, and the 380 people who'd been called, the, the other two thirds who'd heard about the promise but remained on the fringe, remained on the periphery, who, who weren't locked in, who weren't focused on worshiping and seeking God, who weren't immersed, those two-thirds missed one of the most significant moves of God the world has ever seen. And they had to hear about it. They had to experience it secondhand. But I don't want that to be me. I'm not looking for a secondhand move of God. I'm looking to be immersed in Jesus. And you know what? For the first seven years that I was here in Green Bay, I was. Then COVID happened, like life happened. And I said this a few weeks ago, but this past year has been the hardest year of my life. I have been in the fight of my life. Everyone in my house, they, they contracted the virus and, and we all had symptoms of varying degrees. Pastor Sunny, for example, she was laid up in the bed for days. She honestly looked and felt like she was gonna die. For me, I lost the sense of smell and taste for weeks. But what's worse is, I, I also experienced a side effect that doesn't get talked about very much. For some people, for whatever reason, this virus, it attacks the chemistry of their brain. It, it disrupts the neurotransmitters that communicate the ability to experience joy. And I was hit with that. But when I started to experience those side effects, we didn't know that they were side effects. We just thought I was sad. We just thought I was experiencing burnout. We, we thought I was sad because I was lonely. I'm a people guy. I, I am fueled by being around other people. Maybe I was sad because we couldn't have in-person services for almost a year because during the shutdown, we had some staff resignations that really hit me hard that really, I think as I looked back on the back end of it, that hurt me way more than I even wanted to admit when they happened. We thought I was burnt out because I'd spent the past seven years speaking multiple services a week, 50 weeks a year, trying to keep up with this prolonged explosive growth that we went through for so long. And the shutdown, it didn't lighten my load. My output actually increased on the front end of the pandemic. I was doing multiple podcasts. I was doing a weekly Q&A over Zoom, Ask Pastor Sean. I was counseling some other pastors from out of state over Zoom. I was trying to keep the church afloat without taking any government bailouts. And as the pandemic wore on, I recognized I just couldn't maintain the pace much longer if I wanted to stay here long-term. And so I went to a homeopathic center and I, I got on herbs and I, I took a food test to tell me foods that I was sensitive to. Maybe those things were affecting my thought process too. And I, I took some things 
out of my diet and and I got on some herbs and and it man it it helped so much like I I could just feel my body begin to hit on all cylinders again. I I could feel those neurotransmitters beginning to fire again. We took a step professionally and put together a teaching team and determined that I would decrease my preaching load coming out of the shutdown. And I know that surprised, even disappointed some of you. But if I'm totally honest, I've recovered so much, but I still haven't fully recovered from some of the effects of the pandemic. I still haven't fully recovered from some of those side effects. And so for for my health, it's a shift that needed to be made. Plus, listen, it's good for you to have some different voices on here to get some variety. And there's been some incredible messages that wouldn't have been heard if we hadn't have made those changes. To have Pastor Becky on here and talk about some of the things that she's talked about. And Pastor Scott and Pastor Barry and of course, Pastor Sonny and Pastor Allen, my friend, the evangelist, Dr. Allen Griffin, he's been on here. It's been amazing for me to even be able to watch some of the messages that have been here. And so I'm not fully recovered. And my my family, they they are, you know, there's side effects that they've had to deal with that, you know, aren't they're not my story to tell, but I've been so grateful. Like, can I just say, I appreciate you loving me through this. I appreciate you loving my family through this. I appreciate you being faithful. I appreciate you having grace for me, for my family, for our team here. Because honestly, pulling back on the amount of messages that I'm writing, it's allowed me to not only recover, it's allowed me to be re-immersed in his presence. You know, when you do something professionally, it's difficult for you to do it for your own benefit. It's very easy for people who are in ministry to become people who who read the Bible only to mine it for information or for content. And over this period where I haven't had to spend 30 hours a week, every week writing messages, I've been able to get in God's presence. I've been able to get in his word and just farm it for things for myself, for my family. I've been able to immerse myself in worship, which is so good because guys, I'm not looking for a secondhand move of God. I am looking to be immersed in Jesus. And I think you feel the same way. And so with that in mind, I thought, what if we as a church, digitally and physically, what if we as a church did what the 120 people who were in the upper room in Acts chapter two did in the 50 days between the the Last Supper and Pentecost? Like, what what if we, what if you and what if I immersed ourselves in Jesus for the next 50 days. That's from today until September 12th, which ironically is the first regular season game for the Packers. Okay, so so 50 days. Now, I know that sounds very ethereal. Like, like ooh, for 50 days, I want you to immerse yourself. I don't know why I feel like I need to sound like the Count from Sesame Street, but like for 50 days, immerse yourself in Jesus. And some, some of you hear that and you're like, whatever, bro. Like it's so cut and paste. So let me make it less ethereal, if I could. And I'd like to give you some practical steps to accomplishing that. I'd like to give you five things to help you immerse yourself in Jesus. Cool? Here's the first. What if you read your Bible every day for 50 days? 
I know that sounds very elementary, but I, I know a lot of believers, followers of Jesus, Christians, if you would, who never read their Bible. Listen, I, I was in full-time ministry for 15 years. I went through my undergrad and went to seminary. And I am embarrassed to say that I made it through all of that gauntlet without actually reading the book cover to cover. Actually, years ago, I took a sabbatical. And during my sabbatical, I purchased on a whim at a Christian bookstore a 90-day Bible. It was a hardcover white Bible. And I took 90 days and I read the entire Bible in 90 days. And I'm going to tell you, unless God tells you to do it, I wouldn't recommend it because it is grueling. But it opened something in me. It opened this hunger to go, why, why is it that I hadn't read the whole book? I mean, there were pieces of it that I'd read a hundred times, but there were portions of it that I had just avoided. I, I had never read the entirety of the book of Leviticus. I was like, why would I? It's like, brrr, it was terrible. Like, some people haven't read the whole thing and some people just don't read it at all. So what if you read your Bible every day for 50 days? And there's actually a reading plan that I found on the YouVersion app or the Bible app, and it's called So Be It. And it's actually a 50-day plan that'll take you through scriptures related to prayer. It's literally a five-minute-a-day plan. And so for the next 50 days, I'm going to do that plan, and I'd really love it if, if you would do that plan with me. Here's a second. What if you prayed and wrote in a journal every day for 50 days? Now, anyone who knows me knows that I am a huge journaler. And, and there's a number of reasons why I am a journaler. First of all, because I am very easily distracted. I have to, even when I'm having conversations with people, I have to be very mindful, especially with Pastor Sonny, because, you know, we've been married 25 years. And so it's very easy when you're familiar with someone, you know they love you, they know you love them. It's very easy for you to kind of take some of those relationships for granted. And, and so I've had to figure out places that I can be with Pastor Sonny and places that I can't be with Pastor Sonny if I have to have a serious conversation. Like if I have to focus, <laughs> I can't go to Buffalo Wild Wings. I just can't. I can go with my boys, but I can't go with my lady because, because we're going to be having one of these but I promise you, even though like I'm listening, I'm going to be, and it could be any, uh, there could be curling on the TV and they're with the brooms and they're doing the thing. And I'm, I'm just like, yeah, but, yeah, uh-huh. And I could totally miss like a really important conversation because I'm like, bro, they're going to, they're about to get this rock in the center. And if you, so I'm a journaler because I'm very easily distracted. So journaling, it, it it zones me in, it narrows me in, it helps me focus my prayers, it, it helps me. Now, some of my prayers, and I'll be completely honest with you, I have some very rote prayers, some things that I pray every day. I believe that God has instructed me to open all of my prayers with gratitude. There's so many things that I have to be thankful for. And so, so I'm very mindful to, to write down the things that I have to be thankful for. Thank you 
for my salvation. Thank you for your death on the cross and your resurrection from the grave. Thank you for choosing me, for calling me. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your family. Thank you for the place that you're preparing for me. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my home. And like I write that every day because if I don't write that, then I know that it's very easy for me to forget that I should be thankful for that. I have a prayer that I write down to my friend, Pastor Barry. He encouraged me to do this about 18 months ago. And so I started to write down every single day the prayer of Jabez. Now, it's not like a magic potion formula like some people did, but it's just, God, that you would bless me indeed, that you would in increase my territory, that you would be with me, keep your hand on me, that you would keep me from sin so I don't cause anyone else to stumble. Those are things that are in my heart. And so then I, I pray for people specifically. I, I pray for my wife, for my kids, for my family, for for my, for our team here. I pray for every one of them by name. I pray for all of their kids by name. And can I tell you before I started writing down their their names and focusing on them in prayer, I didn't even know their kids' names. I didn't even know that some of them had kids. And so it's helped me to focus my prayers and then it enables me to go back and read those prayer journals so that I could see what God has done in and through those prayers, the answers that he's had. Because sometimes it's difficult to pray when you don't recognize the fact that you have prayers that are answered. Like sometimes, listen, I didn't get the answer that I wanted, but I got an answer and I can go back. And so I have, I have literally a couple of years, maybe like four years worth of journals and they're all the, the same size. I use I use the little hardcover and it's got the little elastic thing on it, kind of like a moleskin. But I just, and I got them, I, they're just lined up. And you know what? I think someday my kids and my grandkids, they will be able to go back and look at those journals and realize that God is faithful. They'll be able to go back and realize that they, that, that they serve a God who answers prayer, proved through the words of their father or through the words or experiences of their grandfather. And God can do that same thing for you. So what if for the next 50 days you prayed and you journaled every single day? Here's the third. What if you gave some sort of an offering every Sunday for the next four Sundays? Here's what's interesting. In, in Pentecost, which uh, they were celebrating when the Holy Spirit fell, it, it really was a celebration of the Feast of Weeks. And, and the Jewish people in that, part of what they did during the, the Feast of Weeks is that they, they had a feast, they had a party, hello, they had a celebration, and a part of that party or a part of that celebration was that everyone there brought a free will offering. They brought a thanks offering. It was an offering that they weren't required to give. Now, they were required to give a tithe of everything. They were required to bring the first fruits of everything that they had, and they would have done that during a different festival. But during this festival, they would come and they would celebrate God. They had just celebrated Passover 50 days before, and 50 days later, Penta, that means five, 50 days later, they're celebrating and giving a free will offering. So what if you gave some sort of an offering? for the next four Sundays, not, not just your tithe. Now, if you're not tithing, I think you should start tithing. I can't make you tithe. I can't tell you that you're obligated to tithe, like you're not gonna go to hell if you don't tithe, but I'm gonna tell you, I live 
the life that I live because I tithe and God blesses me and I live in the fullness of who God is and what God can do because I bring my first fruit, because I bring the tenth. So if you're not tithing and you bring a free will offering, then you probably should start tithing before you think about this. But I'm not talking about a tithe. I'm talking about for the next four Sundays, what if those of us who do tithe, what if we brought a free will offering, a, a thanks offering? And it, it doesn't have to be much. It's not like I'm telling you, you gotta go and take out a tote the note loan and like make yourself sacrifice. Like it could be a 20, like my pastor, Pastor Buntain, one of the things that he instilled in me, and I, I'll never forget this, and I've tried to instill this in my kids, and it's becoming increasingly more difficult in our digital culture, but he taught, he taught me, don't ever let the offering go past you without dropping something in it. It could be a five, a 10, just, just something to acknowledge the fact that, man, I'm so, I'm so grateful for this. And so like, you have to be mindful for me. I have to be mindful if I'm going to be sitting. It doesn't matter what church I'm in, whether it's Life Church or another church that I attend. I have to make sure I got a little bread in my pocket so that when the thing comes around, whether it's buckets like ours or some people are bags, some people are baskets. I like them old school folks like at Kojic churches and they pass KFC buckets. I love that. I definitely want to put some money in a KFC bucket. Like, has he delivered you? Has he spared you or rescued you from something this past year? Just thank him, bless him. Just for the next four Sundays, throw, throw something into the offering. Here's the fourth. What if you listened to only Jesus music for the next 50 days? Now, I, I know this sounds like I'm at youth camp. I know that it... I know that maybe it sounds trite. And I'm gonna have to do this because I, I just downloaded the the new Chicago greatest hits and I love Chicago. They're the white earth, wind and fire. Like I love, like I love everything about Chicago. I love their voices. I love the brass and the, I just, I just love Chicago. And I was, I was introduced to it by my older brother, Kevin. And so I've been, I've been rocking this new, this new Chicago. So I'm going to have to put that on pause for 50 days. And I know that it seems trite, but whatever it is you're putting in is going to come out especially during difficult times. Because guys, the pressure always reveals the pulp. And so it, like, it doesn't have to be wonky Christian music. There's some great Christian music out there. Just seek it out, find it. Like Google, like what's your favorite band? I've done this before. What's your favorite band? And Google, like what's a Christian band that sounds like Rage Against the Machine? I, like, I don't know. I don't know who that band is, but maybe it's P.O.D. I think, I think they're, I mean, it used to be. Anyway, just Google who, who sounds like so-and-so that's a Christian band. And for the next 50 days, what if you only listen to Jesus music? And here's the fifth. What if you read one Jesus book over the course of the next 50 days? Now, you may not be a reader, but guys, I'm a big reader. And I'm a big reader because it feeds your mind. And many of you know that I read all sorts of different stuff. If you listen to the Chew on That podcast that I was on with Pastor Scott, you know that I'm, I'm reading a book right now by a physicist, a nuclear physicist who believes he has found a mathematical equation that describes God, and it is fascinating. It's just, so I read all, all sorts of different stuff. I read lots of non-Jesus stuff, and I read, of course, lots of Jesus stuff. And, and reading not only feeds your mind, but when you read Jesus books, 
that also feeds your soul. I mean, you, you can read any Jesus book that you want and there's lots of amazing ones out there. But, but I wanna recommend a book called Hope Quotient by Ray Johnston. He, he really has become my de facto pastor. He pastors Bayside Church in California and he is a brilliant mind and one of the most practical preachers I've ever heard in my life. And he wrote this amazing book and it took him like five years to write this book because they did all these clinical studies all over the world with groups of a thousand people about what they thought hope was. And so they've discovered that hope is more than a feeling. It's more than an emotion. And so he literally talks about hope in this book and he obviously does it from a biblical perspective because he's a pastor. But that book, I've read it three times. I've given that book out literally to dozens and dozens of people. I gave it two years ago to every player and coach on the Packers. It, that book has just blown my mind that much. And so you can get it on Amazon. We got a QR code. It's, it's amazing. You will love it. And anyway, what if you read a Jesus book for the next 50 days and you fed your soul? I know that these sound so simple. They sound so uh, Tony Robbins. But, but they're just five things, like something you can sink your teeth into. It, it's something that won't overwhelm you. Something that isn't just like, oh, immerse yourself in Jesus. It's just five little things to do for the next 50 days. But sadly, I get it. Some of you aren't gonna do it. Like maybe two thirds of you are gonna remain on the fringe, on the periphery. You, you won't spend the next 50 days locked in, focused on worshiping, focused on seeking God. You, no matter what I say, you're not going to immerse yourself in Jesus. But I warn you, if you don't, you just may miss one of the most significant moves of God of your life. But if you will, like if you will do this, I promise you, at the end of the 50 days, you'll be less like you and more like Jesus, and you'll find yourself a lot farther down the road to becoming a Jesus person. Will you do it? Will you close your eyes? Salvation is essentially immersing yourself in Jesus. It's taking yourself and covering yourself with him. Some of you need to be covered by something. Something's been eating your lunch, maybe some things have been eating your lunch. They've been wearing you down. And it's not just been the last year for some of you. You'd say, I've been fighting the fight of my life for my life. You feel like you're hopeless. You feel like there's no answer, no escape. But if you immerse yourself in Jesus in this process called salvation, and it can that can be very ethereal, but salvation is just such a simple process. It's recognizing that things aren't working. You can't fix them, but you believe that Jesus can. And so you submit yourself, your spirit, your heart, your mind to him, and you ask him to take over all of the things that you have been trying to make work that won't work, and you ask him to do that. And so you give him your life, 
and you ask him to be, and these are very medieval sayings, but your Lord and your Savior, your Lord, the one who has authority over you and your Savior, the only one who can rescue you. And so if that's you and you've not done that, if you've not submitted your life, if you've not asked Jesus to take control of your everything, if you've not immersed yourself in Jesus, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. Here's how, the Bible says, if you do two things, if you confess and profess, confess that you're a sinner and profess that Jesus can change that and rescue you, then you will be saved. And so today, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to do both. Confess that you're a sinner and profess that he can change you. And here's how, I'm gonna say a few lines in a prayer and if you repeat those lines and you mean them in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. So if you need that, would you just say this? Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life, change me, make me different, make me new, be my Lord, be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that, I I'm elated. The Bible says that a party breaks out in heaven just because of you. And so we want the opportunity to know you, to connect with you, to help you in this journey from where you are to where Jesus wants you to be. And so if you would reach out to us, if you would just send us a message, let us know that you made that commitment. We'll be sure to connect with you and to follow up with you. But here's the thing. Some of you are, you're Jesus people, but you haven't been immersed in him. You haven't been doing these five things and you'd like to commit to do that. And so I'm going to pray for you, but before I do pray for you. I would sure love it if you would message us, if you would reach out to us, if you would let us know that you're doing these things with us so that I can pray for you that you will be able to fulfill these five things. And so if you are watching this and you say, Sean, I wanna commit to doing those five things, I just wanna pray for you. God, for my friends who are on this broadcast, I pray blessings on them. God, they've been wrestling, they've been struggling, and the, the list, it seems simple, it seems very, very practical. But God, these are practical steps for difficult issues. So today, I pray for the issues that they're dealing with. I pray for the struggles that they're having, the fights that they're fighting, for the family drama, for the financial difficulties, for their mental state, their spiritual state. God, I pray in your mighty name, the name that is above all names, that you would reach out, touch, fix, change, heal, give them strength to do these five things for the next 50 days so they can become less like them more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.